always address the child's behavior and is learning separate from who he is as a human being. We're not here to fix the child, I always tell parents. We're here to enhance their possibilities, the possibilities of the future. Life is always changing and people don't get that. Hi, I'm Eric Weir, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Stutter Your Way to Success. I'm here with my friend, but my guest today is Dana Blackhurst. Dana, how are you doing today? Thanks for, thanks for coming I'm on. I'm doing okay. Started, <laughs> schools just started opening. It's like preseason. I tell the parents, you know, we yeah. really don't look to win in the beginning. We look to get the team set, everything. <laughs> right, right. We might go two and two in preseason, but it gets the team rolled out. <laughs> so, you know, kids change, everybody changes, and uh, – Teachers do during the summer, and uh, so people forget that you know kids are little adults growing up, and they change. Absolutely. So you're the headmaster at Chandler School. So tell me about Chandler School. How, uh, Chandler what School. Makes it unique? Chandler School is sort of an interesting story. Um, I never finished high school, and I failed the GED. And I think I'm Erskine College's only graduate without a high school diploma. I got it when I was 50. I got my real diploma. Uh, Fort Wayne Northrop decided to honor me, and they went back and used some of my college credits to give me a high school diploma. That's great. And I have a few honorary ones, but I told Mrs. Chandler one time that if I ever get a chance to have a school of my own, I'll name it after her, and that's how it got named because wow. she hid my uh, transcripts and everything away from the admissions department. <laughs> Roddy Gray and Bill Lassane, they were on board, and then President Bell found out about three weeks later, and... Uh, so as long as I behave, I'm in school. But if I, as soon as my grades slip, you're out. Wow. So that's how Chandler School came about. Um, I came down from New England. I was used to, I was up at the Carroll School, very prominent dyslexic school in America. And then I ran an international boarding school. And when that was over, I sort of had nothing to do. And uh, I came back to Greenville. And a few of us guys got together that you could say, you know, elbow drinking beer one night, and if you could design a school, could you, what would you do? Well, the property came up on Augusta uh, Street, I think. Yeah. They don't use road anymore, but um, uh, the old Weiss uh, mansion. And yeah. everyone said, that would be really cool. And I said, yeah, it would be. It was in foreclosure, and we were able to get it, and that's how the school started. Mm. So That's fantastic. Yeah. So how did Mrs. Chandler change your life? Oh, Mama C, we call her. One, she let me get into college without <laughs> high school <laughs> yeah, diploma nursery. Now they're happy, but at the time, that was sort of like a, a dark secret over there. Right. Um, she used to get up in the morning um, and uh, put her hand on my throat at 6 in the morning. I'd meet her and, and go, ah, ew, try to learn vowels sounding. I, I was basically illiterate when they found me. Um, I was severely, I guess, Grand Slam being dyslexic, and um, the rest is history. How old there. were you at, th at this time? Um, uh, 20. Okay. Uh, late bloomer into college. You know, I was... Uh, did some uh, sports to get there before I got there. Hockey, and, uh, correct? Hockey, yeah, I played hockey. and You yes. were good at it, right? Okay, yeah, I'd yeah. say I was okay. A few years on a national team in the U.S. and some other National things. team, that's more than yeah. okay, that's good. So, But, you know, I did some things in Canada and stuff, but I really quit school to play hockey for a career. I got recruited by the Port here on fog cutters. And, you know, when you're 16, 18 years old and you come from like a mill town or really we were very not the not the wealthiest um, you know, offering your money at 16 is a big deal. 
Right. You know, and so we thought that would happen. It didn't happen. But uh, I was a flaky Freddie instead of a steady Eddie. You didn't know. <laughs> you didn't know what goaltender would show up yeah. during the game right, that night. Right, but, right, uh, right. Later on, uh, they saw me play, and uh, someone tried to recruit me to Denver and all sorts of stuff with the Pioneers. And one thing led Fun. to another, and yeah. uh, I was cheating in a class. And uh, the girl went and told the teacher. I gave her the grades orally, and I flunked it. And the teacher called me up and said some questions, and I. And she goes, why didn't you put this down on the paper? And I said, I, I can't write. I can't spell. And wow. the teacher, instead of doing something like punishment, she went, oh, you need to go see here. Go see here. And then the bells went off. I, I called the alarms. And uh, uh, next thing I know, I was being tested by the guys in the white coats. And uh, they said, you know, you're not really slow. You're not mentally challenged. You're, you're, you're smart. Or you're dyslexic. So I spent the next 30 days hiding in the Jefferson County school system because uh, I had to become an emancipated youth because I was living out there to really step up high school, get a diploma, and then get into Denver. That was wow. back in the 70s. You know, they get around things. They're right. like Alabama in football. Right, so right. Stay, yeah, there's a way, you right? You stayed with the family. There's a will, there's a way, right? And so, yeah. But, I mean, they did it. So many people have, like, stepped in and, and changed mm -hmm. my life. But Mrs. Chandler is the main force that – Raised money for me at Erskine, I think. She raised back in then. $189,000 is a lot in the, in the uh, 70s. Yeah. She raised for my college tuition. I was there in the summer. I was there seven and a half years. I decided at that time that we call, you know, the program only had four kids on the dyslexic program. And there was 27, only six of us ever graduate. Erskine made it tough on us. They didn't really give a lot of things because professors were like, what's this thing of letting a kid take a test untimed or... Th those type things and um but uh they usually funnel you to take get a social service degree which is like the easiest way through college and i didn't go there for that i wanted to learn mm -hmm. and i said i'm going to be a teacher and she mm -hmm. says oh no you're not and mm -hmm. i said well it's going to take a while and sure <laughs> enough it did and uh, i can say i'm really proud to teach in the last black school in america carver mm -hmm. middle school because right. i wasn't good enough to be with the white kids mm -hmm. i had to go teach there i learned more there uh than anywhere but the uh Belt and honey path and the school systems there were like, we're not letting this kid who can't read and write be a school teacher. Mm. And so I ended up going to Carver with Dr. Reynolds, and uh, that school changed my life. And I walked Fantastic. every day there. And I lived in Rabbit Stew in Due West. Wow. So how did it change your life? I mean, I know. I mean, you know, know somebody gave me feel? a chance. Yeah. I mean, you know, it. it's always been, you know, a chance. People give you chances and stuff. And, um, you know, my student teaching stuff was pretty amazing. I, some of the things I did, but I learned more from the people um, that were there. I learned about Dr. Jesus, which was a paddle with uh, little holes <laughs> in it. Dr. Jesus is pretty good. I had some time with one of those. <laughs> yeah. <school>. yeah. <laughs> but I had to go from class to class, and you know, um, Dr. Reynolds made me interview young mothers and elderly. That was really different how they treated you as a white person mm. there. That was in the mid-'70s, and um, I learned from the teachers how to do more with less. Hmm. You know, being creative, mm -hmm. doing stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, and then I went on, got lucky, and um, the rest is history. You know, for me in education. Right. So uh, Erskine, you know, at that time uh, didn't think much, but then things changed, and now I'm sort of Erskine's one of their favorite sons. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So I have a son, George, who right. is who is one of your yeah. students. So one of the one of the children at, at Chandler School. And I can tell you that he experienced frustration right. at, at, at another private school, and his learning style, as we've talked, right. was just different 
than what was being offered to him. And he's, he's very smart, but he's gone from not liking school to enjoying the process, enjoying coming. He looks forward to going yeah. and the people to say, so how do you create the environment? You talked about yeah, you can't make a plan. But explain yeah. that to me, the environment. Okay, the environment. First of all, I believe in failure. I'm a one-legged A on a roll. That's half of an F. You know, half yeah, down. Right. But the, the, the trick is the environment where you feel safe to fail. We want all our kids to fail. We produce frustration, knowing when to break. Uh, frustration and working your way through a problem create mm. long-term memory versus short-term memory. Okay. And that's what you're looking for when teaching uh, kids is the, the struggle. Where do you help out? You don't give hints because then you do that subconsciously. You want to help a kid, but it's short-term memory. And you want to make it easy for them. Well, that's not life. So you create a situation where you, you encourage failure, you look at their strengths, remediate the weaknesses, okay. and you don't make them victimitis. There's no, you know, we don't believe in, like you could say, the special ed approach and all that type stuff. We believe in hiring talent, uh, teachers with four-year degrees, and then we train them in this high-octane, you could say, reading style called Orton-Gillingham approach. And uh, that's the approach that I got when I was 22. I left Erskine for a year and went to Kildonan Boarding School to be trained by Di or be taught by Diana King, a world-renowned expert who's one of the first founders of, uh, you could say, Orton Gillingham, which is a mm -hmm. phonetic way to teach, which was came out of the 20s uh, for neurologists for stroke victims. Mm. And his wife goes, if that's working for stroke victims, wouldn't it work for, the, work for these kids who are having problems with reading? Right. And that's how it all came about. It should be taught in all schools. It's a medical model, and the reason it's not, it's now it's there, but remember, medical models in universities don't talk. So the right. kids in the 50s and 60s that were well-to-do, there's, there's a thing called no such thing as a poor dyslexic. Right, you know, right. And you'd get the help. And it's finally arching over. I mean, education to me is one of the most monopolized political um, corruption things that ever been education invented. inflation too oh right? yeah well it's called education inflation everyone's got to have a master's all these type things but it's really weird how we're not we're living in the knowledge age versus conceptual age and people haven't changed from the uh, 20s and 30s of what america was like we're mm -hmm. still running the same model and we're still doing the Privilege Act, which is like a disco club lining up to get into Harvard. These guys here, and only the privileged go. And if you look at schools, um, if you, you look at that way, you know, what, 15% of the kids are going to Ivy League schools. The other 85% are somewhere else. And so you're banking all your talent on 15% of the Ivy League schools. Right, You right. leave 85 out there. There's so much talent out there. Look at right. the testing and the all that type of stuff is such a, I call it BS on, you know, Judging a person, it's really hard to judge a little kid. Right. That was a given day test. And, right. Um, so say, say uh, you're a fast reader. And right. to get into law school, you've got to read you know, this thing that's the speeds on test. But what happens if you're a deep thinker mm -hmm. and you don't do well in that test? You missed a lot of questions. Right. But don't you want, if you have a lawyer doing your case. You want a deep thinker. Deep thinker, think it through. So the test is sort of oxymoron. I mean, uh, it doesn't make sense. Right. Same thing for kids. You know, uh, your son. As a great little boy, he's curiosity. You 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 feed that curiosity, but you also temper it like coaching. Um, some days is a good day, some days is a bad day, but always address the behavior, never the child, mm -hmm. and the learning style. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what we try to do, and it's it's um, you know it should be how all kids we feel should be taught. We're not a school for dyslexia. We're just a school mm -hmm. that happens to use a, a 1950s, 60s curriculum with phonetics. And keep it simple.
Yeah, that's how I learned yeah. with phonetics. And as a stutterer, yeah. it was hard sometimes, you know, yeah. the, the, just get the words out. But I mean, but the concepts were. Yeah, were, we're, you know. we're a big believer of, we read a lot of things. We're like an educational estuary. When it's working, it's really good. When it's yeah. not, it's like an estuary. <laughs> right. But a uh, big believer of Mike Leach. We follow a lot yeah. of Leachisms, okay. like kill, keep it likable and learnable. Okay. Um, okay. Like he never had playbooks. He ran out of eight formations for his right. players. Right, right, right. And do that. So. Right. You know, we're looking at different things for kids and how to build them up and then say, now how are you going to put this in conception versus knowledge and how to uh, groom things along? We're a whole curriculum. So we're building all the way to eighth grade. And we also use the one-room schoolhouse approach. And we have one on our campus. We built a replica of the 19, 1899 Bloomfield Schoolhouse. Okay. And so that represents the past. Chalkboard, mm -hmm. an old-time chalkboard. Washington's up on the thing. We have a real bell in there. Um, pine cut floors. I mean, there was, you know, the only things that's modern really in there is what city code made us do exit lights, exit mm -hmm. lights, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it's a reminder of a time in American community. People work together all there, but also there's a time to remind us that some people were not happy too. If you ever look at the picture of the kids, right, you know, right. so there's two things going on <laughs> once in the one room schoolhouse, but it's a unique thing how we, we have eighth graders working with the first graders right. and all kids travel. So from the time you're a kindergartner, you travel. You don't stay with one teacher. Okay. So it's like a college campus where the kids okay. can complain about you in between classes. It's a free will school. So like your son had to tell me, I want to come to your school. Right. Not the parents. Parents can't get a kid in. It's the child who has to say he wants to come. And we do a lot of observing. I go to the other schools and visit, look at the kids. I think recesses are one of the biggest things that you look at. Watch a kid at recess. Learn about him. You know, see that. We believe in a lot of field trips, uh, hands-on. But uh, recess is some of the biggest lessons you learn because I want teachers to see that kid out there is running the playground. In the classroom, he's having a hard time reading, so don't judge him. That's right. life. Right. Guys who are struggling in school. Right. David Letterman, what, guys who made C's run the world? Right, right, so, that's right, uh, that's right. Right. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so what made you, I mean, I, I was reading about you, you've won Educator of the Year multiple times. Um, <laughs> they didn't check the spelling. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember I got Teacher of the Year, and uh, that was in 83. And I was like, gosh, look, I mean, they didn't check the spelling. They didn't check this on the chalkboard. When I was doing my student teaching, I would get up at 6 in the morning, get into the school, and write everything out on the chalkboard before anyone came. To really? Do that. Yeah, to make sure. So no one could throw holes at me. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of it was, you know, if there takes 24 hours in a day, you're 24 hours in the day of trying to do it. Um, and learn, you know, how to, the skills of observing, learning, um, you take that and you try to um, put it out for kids to, I don't want kids to, I want kids to struggle and use their creative resources. I mean, there's 16 ways to Kevin Bacon, same thing in school. Right. You know, if, if you know that, I mean, there'll be hell to pay if you're in trouble at our school. Right. I mean, we, we let kids have it because we have a free trust campus. But like, say, George, we'll use George. He's got a homework assignment. Now, he gets to school 8 o'clock in the morning, and he goes to his teacher right away and said, you took him out to dinner last night. Right. That's life. Right. But he took the responsibility to go to that teacher before the day started, that right. I don't have the work done. That's the lesson. Right. To go be your own advocate. Speak up. Call right. a teacher. Our teachers are on call until 8.30, 9 o'clock right. at night. That's what you want out of the kid. Right. I mean, you right. want the kids to learn uh, how to navigate the world right. and to talk to your teachers and be able to speak up and say, you know, I didn't get it done, or I got a part done, and I'll stay in at recess. Oh, okay. Right, but if right. you don't have it done, it's a phone call home, 
and it's mom, dad. You find out which parent they interrupt the most and they get aggravated. Um, I just want to let you know I didn't get my homework done, and I'm a responsible human being, and I will deal with my consequences. I'm just letting you know goodbye. Okay. They echo it. They hear it. They've okay. got to say, I did it, not my, my mom and dad. I did it. I was the one that left the homework. I didn't get it done, you know. And so you, you take responsibility, and then you got mutiny or something, and we keep track of all that type of stuff. But usually one or two times solves the trick. Oh, sure. Uh, sure having sure. to call and hear yourself say Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, now, why is it important to you to teach? I mean, why did you choose this field? Because uh, well, it, it's, it, <laughs> it wouldn't be a natural uh, thing, right? Uh, the truth was, uh, when I was stopped uh, playing hockey, I did a lot. I played a lot of rugby too. Um, I I just like you know learning. I like learning and the way we do it, the style. Um, I guess I was sort of good at it, I guess, but um, I just I just have fun at it. I don't work. I've never worked a day in my life. So uh, it's mainly the ideas I want. I don't want kids to grow up like me, uh, that struggle, I guess, or that feeling on the inside. So um, I had nothing better to do, so I stuck with it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, and and, and you, you, it looks like for, for a while you you were at the camper down. You, you've been yeah, I ran camper schools. down. That's another long story. But I was there for seventeen years, and uh, uh, basically there was a revolt one night. The school couldn't do certain things, and uh, the parents uh, lobbied to put me in as headmaster at thirty-one years old. <laughs> and, the, and we had five hundred thousand dollars in debt too. Yeah, what's your yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was like a big one. So it wasn't like I got the job. It was like everyone stood back and said, yeah. let Dana do it. Right. And right. the rest is history. So Camper Down, we had a good time. It's never been myself. Uh, it's always been the team around me, you right. know, people that could help me with this. Or I do this, you do that. And uh, you judge kids. I mean, that's probably one of the strengths. The Being dyslexic or whatever you want to say, that power observation, I could see things, do things and get people to do stuff that I can't do. I'm Tom Sawyer. Right, and right. Uh, build faculties, and we built an amazing curtain call school. And what do you look for when you hire somebody? Uh, you know, in a, in a, it's like dog show. You know in a minute. Right. I don't believe in degrees. I mean, I believe in degrees, but if I see a paper that says Harvard on it, and I see a paper that says Greenville Tech, four-year teacher, who do you think I'm going to gravitate to? Greenville Harvard. Tech. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, Harvard. because it's Harvard. It's That's a brand. Right. Well, Fair. what if we had don't tell, don't say, and just interview the person? Now, they have their transcripts. Yeah. You know they're a college person. Right. You start looking at talent. You look at the candles in their eyes. You look the way they handle. Then we throw them to the kids, and the kids have a say. You know, it's like a quarterback in the NFL. Okay, like players. Yeah, yeah. Brady, six-round pick. You don't know. Let's see what they do. And then the kids come back. The older kids tell me, yeah, they, they were pretty good. Or I don't like them. What was bad? Um, I hate teachers who try to be teachers. I just don't like right. teachers. Right. But I like people who are um, creative, interesting, opinionated. Uh, I'm a disagreeable person, mm -hmm. okay, versus agreeable person. I'm disagreeable in education because in the middle of the day, I might say, let's just, let's just play capture the flag. I right. felt a tone differently. Right. For most parents, education is personal because you know how you got taught right. school and stuff. So when you do something outside those lines, you're disagreeable. Like I was labeled Mike Leach of education because I want to say what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. but I'll do something that's not heard of, mm -hmm. changing the rhythm up. But it works because this is a kid's school. It's not our school. It's their school. And you got to feel for them just like you're a great working environment. So they need to be a part of the say and do. And, and um, you know, kids take them outside or this is happening or that's happening. Um, they've been locked up for two days with rain. Let's go blow First sunny day, let's go out there for three hours and just play. Mm. 
work hard, play hard. The mm-hmm. kids work. We push them very hard, especially in the upper grades. They get, they get, you know, this is probably political and correct because of, you know, who he was and he did some things that weren't nice. But it's a Bobby Knight year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're groomed for it. Mm-hmm. They just don't come in. They've been groomed for years of ready. By the time you're in sixth grade, it's like a broken leg. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been fixed now. You can go on it. Don't don't try to hold back because you'll get hurt but you play full on it. Mm-hmm. So the kids know what's expected. We have the relationship with them to push them, and we know what buttons to do. And each kid's different in how you do it. I might fuss at George, and it's be fair, but not equal. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets treated differently, how to push their buttons. Like, you could do two things, and I treat you differently for the offense versus George. Mm-hmm. You know, you f- figure out what they are, like a coach. Because at one time, if a coach goes to the sideline, you yell at the quarterback for throwing an interception, he's lost. Or you talk to him a different way. Mm-hmm. you got to know each kid, their personalities. Mm-hmm. So we're like a concierge-type school. Each mm-hmm. kid is, is, is looked through the eyes of... 20 teachers and we see different talents from them and we have full faculty on uh, Friday from 1 till 3, 3.30 and it's like Congress, it's a discussion I mean teachers can tell me to go to hell right? because I want that passion mm-hmm. you know, I, at the end of the day I always hold all the cards but mm-hmm. you want someone to fight for that kid that sees it a different way, that sees this so you have this creative tension that's good tension, creative mm-hmm. tension is good among the faculty mm-hmm. you know and so you don't want destructive tension, but you know ki- people that are saying this kid can do this, this kid can do that. Well, I didn't see that. So you have all these eyes on a kid. So that's why George is seen from many different people, mm. and they all have one thing in common. You know, the mission statement to the child: always address the child's behavior and is learning separate from who he is as a human being. We're not here to fix the child. I always tell parents, we're here to enhance their possibilities, the possibilities of the future. And, uh, you know, everyone has possibilities. I mean, you told me you were a studier, and look what you're doing now. You got your own podcast, you're very well spoken. Uh, You know, life is always changing, and people don't get that. Uh, There's a great book out, I think it's uh, The Range Mm -hmm. of People Tiger's Wood versus Fedorov, you know, the parent that puts the golf club in versus um, Hedgehog or narrow minded cognitive thinking in one specialty versus Mm -hmm. the fox. Mm-hmm. who's got a lot of things, right. a lot of knowledge to solve sure. the problem. Right, right, right. So we try to do that with kids, uh, with expanding the way they think, um, uh, different things. There's so many different things like people get caught in their training. Like uh, I think one part of the book was, say you're a firefighter. They've done this study. Mm-hmm. And you're, a, you're a, a, you know, a parachute firefighter in the mountains. And 73% of all deaths, I think, since 43 have been, they fail to, when they said, move, the fire's going to jump to the mountain. They're going to take their chainsaws and stuff with them. That slows them down. They, they get caught up in the flames. One guy who threw his stuff down lived. Mm. So they, they've learned stuff. It's just like Navy guys have uh, uh, st- uh, uh, steel toe shoes on their, sh- uh, their boots. Captain, take the boots off before you go in the water. Right. They drowned. We do that in education. We, don't, we, we carry too many memories with us, mm. and we don't learn how to forget things and do it. Teachers should have the memory <clears throat> of a flea toward a child. Oh, okay, okay. Just when well, he did this, yeah, that's great. So what? Forget about it. Next play. Mm-hmm. Because kids will pick up on that if you hold a grudge. Or oh, they can yeah. say body language. So oh, sure. you, you look at that. and So that's some of the – I mean, school, there's offensive teaching, defensive teaching, uh, different ways you root the classroom, rope-a-dope like Muhammad Ali, how to use the ring, how to use your presence walking. I do a lot of stuff on – classroom yeah. stuff. No, I do an fantastic. awful lot of stuff on yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I've been blessed. I mean, I don't know, in, in education, but uh, 
I think the last one was I was a headmaster or a creative headmaster or whatever for South Carolina and stuff. But it's the team you have. Hire creative people, but also hire different types of creative people. Mm-hmm. So they'll mm-hmm. argue. They'll bring a lot of, many mm-hmm. things to the table when they see George. If we hire ourselves, we get ourselves. What is that song by Yes? Right. Surround yourself with yourself. You're going to get yourself. <laughs> So, you know, you know uh, that's, that's why I don't like uh, some things in school. You know, I always tell kids the best answer. The only time you're really right in life is when you say you don't know. Because right. if you don't know, you really do know that you don't know. So you're right. 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 You really do know that you yeah. don't know. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we yeah. tell the kids that all the time. And, and, you know, like I got some kids here. It's a, it's a school where it's based on trust. Very much a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and kids have trust given, given to them. They lose their trust. They don't have to make their, they don't have to earn their trust, you know. So it's it's that it's a it's a West Point in a Stanford type educational setting from strict guidelines to loose guidelines. Uh, creative. Uh, we don't want to make a school basically the perimeter of a jailhouse, like a recreational mm-hmm. prison. Right. It shouldn't be made that way. It should be their place, and it should be a free place to use the whole grounds for it. I mean, we use every part of the school's grounds. It's three, almost four acres. Everything's used. Wow. We want kids outside. We mm-hmm. want kids outside moving, doing. Uh, uh, it's what uh, I think kids should have, that experience to mm-hmm. have the freedom to be able to be trusted, but also at the same time know that this is an, an experience like Disney World. Disney makes an experience. Why can't schools be experiences for kids? Right. And right. So that's what we it try to be. do. So, so what do you tell a parent who has a child and they have a, a different learning style that's not okay. being addressed at the school? It depends. It's like you said, you, you size them up before they come in. You can tell what they are. If they're, if they're well-to-do people, I sort of push back quickly because um, I'm not into that as a school. Um, everyone gets treated the same way as you're a parent um, because you have some parents that are, are struggling Two mortgages to send their kid there. So other people have different gifts. So you, you make it an equal playing field. Uh, first thing is, you know, let's read the paperwork. Um, you know, we tell them, here's what we want to work on. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're putting a team, like a, a, a package together, like financial package, uh, financial planning. Mm-hmm. So we want to pretend we'd ask you, and you know, how, where do you want George to be when he's 25? Mm-hmm. Well, we look at 25 and plan backwards. How are we going to get him there? What's mm-hmm. this here? How are we going to do his strength? And you don't pay me to be a yes person. You pay mm-hmm. me to be that disagreeable person. Mm-hmm. Of, Here's what I think. If you don't like it, that's fine. There's another school in town. I think capitalism is a great thing. So mm-hmm. schools, either there is a business to private schools. And mm-hmm. I hate that because it means you're elitist. But we talk to parents about the gifts. You're so lucky to have this kid. You've got the funnest kid. You got a goat. You don't got a sheep, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. Goats are fun. They're, they'll make you mad. Right. They'll bring you emotion. But they're fun. Right. These are the fun kids. These are the kids that solve the problems that 90% of the other people can't find. Mm-hmm. They do. They're the uncommon learner. They're great. But you got to, you know, some parents feel like it's the end of the world. We try to tell them, this is great. You're, uh, I think it's wonderful who your kid is. And then also remember... When you went to school, it's different than today, what kids have to learn. Because you have right. you know, parents that come in and say, well, I got through it. Blah, blah, blah. It's a different world, different dynamics. Mm-hmm. Everything's changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was right at the right spot at the right time. Today, I doubt if this could ever happen again. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Education I said, is, a, is a very interesting place where you got pharmaceuticals driving, publishing companies driving. you got a lot of people driving stuff. But as far as I know, the alphabet hasn't changed. No, no. <laughs> How is AI going to change education? Well, that's interesting because Gary, uh, I mean, Eric Ward, uh, one of our parents just sold his 
had, I think, pipeline design, uh, consulting. He's coming in to teach kids how to build the computers, and he's on some big hotshot AI boards that they're trying to prevent what's coming. Right. They say it's serious it's scary problems. Stuff, yeah, right. scary stuff. And so we're looking at that in a very interesting way that still the jobs, you're going to need, a, like, say, the automated car. Now, think of a uh, UPS driver. Right. That's not going to work. He's right. got to get out, do the stuff, and do this right. stuff, right. and delivery stuff. So there is some things there that's never going to replace humans, except for the sales market that says it's important to do. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a there's a good side to it, and there's a negative side to it. But we're waking up to the negative side. Some people are to say, "Hey, we got to stop this now. We got to really consider." Mm. What we're doing, because Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be here as soon as you want as a Terminator. Right. If we don't do something about right. this. So, you know, we're really looking at it very seriously because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So you've got to plan for conceptual age, not the knowledge age. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when we were growing up, it was different to get a job than today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody and their brother's got a doctorate now or whatever. you got to have this. Mm -hmm. And you got kids coming home to live in, at the house and can't pay college dues. And you're realizing that we're college so modern. So expensive. Yeah. So the air conditioning guy, the plumber, we should be like the Europeans, mm -hmm. uh, vocational type schools too. But right. in the, but here in the South, and especially across the country, when you hear the word vocational, that usually means oh your kid's not smart or this. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. I mean kids should be hands on doing things, creative. I mean, study our history of our country in different times in education. It's really fascinating. You know we've never number one like everybody says, mm -hmm. uh, but we had something that they got out this creative spirit that we taught kids and be critical thinkers. So when they got old enough in the university model, they could do a lot. Mm -hmm. And now the world's caught up with us, our university model, so the, the gross product of the world has changed. So what are we doing in our universities versus the other universities in the world? Hmm. And what type of students are we going to put out of college? Mm -hmm. What are they going to be? That's a big question. So um, 30 years from now, it's going to be real interesting. Wow. Well, how many students do, do you have now? We froze at uh, 60. Uh, we can go to 72. We keep it small. That's a faculty decision. Um, quali uh, quali quality versus quantity. Um, there's a magic number. Usually they say for a kid like our type style learner, they're equal to four with the energy they produce. Mm -hmm. So it's like that's 240 kids. But um, in a campus like ours, um, that's about right. We're in an old schoolhouse. It's a historical home, the old Weiss uh, homestead here in Greenville. Um, so... And that's a teacher's vote. You could have 150 kids if they're all learn the same style. Mm -hmm. School can run really smooth. You could have 30 kids and be the 30 kids from hell right, with their right, learning right, style. So right, it's all right, about right. styles and players and, mm -hmm. like I call them, players, how they come on. Our job is to take a one-star, turn them into a two-star, mm -hmm. a three-star into a four-star, mm -hmm. and build them up. And you need, like we call it, drafting. Take Have three or four five-stars. Mm -hmm. Those kids do pretty well. They're going to survive without any – I mean, they're bright dyslexics. They're going to do this. Mm -hmm. It's the other kids behind them that are maybe more severe in their language. Mm -hmm. You draft them eight to two. Mm -hmm. They pick up. They follow the other kids and role models and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we do that with the kids. Interesting. And we look at a lot of analytics when putting our classes together. Wow, okay. Are they a high-end verbal class? Are they a, 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 what we call a receptive language or auditory processing? We figure them out, what they're doing. That's why we do a lot of field trips and the different learning styles. So uh, you're trying to build a class off each other. Like mm -hmm. whatever your weaknesses are, we're going to try to counter that with another kid that okay. has the strengths. Okay. So you feed off each other, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. that's really cool. I mean, uh, there's so much to learn with different kids. You know, I, I like a school that has the guy sitting beside me, his kid is 
the CEO of whatever, BMW. Right. Next guy's kid, he's just a, a kid of a janitor in school. Right. Those two kids come together, all of a sudden they're helping each other and they see the world differently and right. stuff. So, right. you know, I, I think schools should have cerebral diversity. That's fantastic. Not racial, but cerebral. Racial is important, but cerebral is where the world's going right now. Different ways you look at a problem from different many angles right. and put that team together in corporation and things happen. It's called the corporate IQ dollar. Right, 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 right. Okay, all right. Um, where do you see the school going? Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I got a few more years. Um, I hope it stays where it is, what we do. We don't want to grow up. I've worked with several schools, Camperdown, other schools. You grow up just like an adult. How do you create the – creating a school is easy. It's maintaining and stability is the one thing. But how do you maintain that, you know, like the start, Stanford marching band? You know, they just take themselves not seriously. How do we not take ourselves seriously mm -hmm. and know this is fun and create the attitude? I'll show you how old I am. MASH, mm -hmm. Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, That's what we try to create, that atmosphere, right. you know, and, and don't lose it. And so you've got to be careful of becoming too successful. Okay. And don't read your own press clippings. Right, right, And right, that's what right. happens in schools. No, that's so true. That's you so know, true. That's a that's big so thing with schools. You know, you're only as good as your last kid you taught, and you only teach one kid at a time. That's all you care about. Right. We can have all the success in the world, but if we're not succeeding with George, that's all that matters to you. Right. So teachers, one kid at a time. Right. And every year is a new year. Um, like Hinduism, I'm the destroyer, preserver, creator. Every year, new year. So mm -hmm. forget your last year's. It's like a team. It's all new dynamics each, That's each year. True. That's so true. schools re revamp. So if we have, say, George and his group, they're third graders, mm -hmm. and we really unlock the code, we're code breakers in the reading. Well, obviously they can do more now. So the teacher that makes their lesson plans the same every year mm -hmm. could be harmful to George, mm -hmm. not helpful. So every year we have to recreate our lesson plans oh, wow. because this class has improved. Right. So now they've improved in their language. They can take in more mm -hmm. with written expression and reading. Right. So you got to change your curriculum. Wow. And that's that's very hard. That's why schools like us are far and few in between because right. your teachers demand so much out of them. Wow. And it's a lot. And like I, I think I, you've seen me at a meeting, kids don't come first. Teachers come first. Mm. That team is so important. It's like oil, mm. byproducts, gasoline. Right. Your child's gasoline. But that oil, don't mess with. Right. You keep that team together. You know, it's keeping right. the faculty together is really important. Right. They know things and stuff. And it's just like business team together. And so it's really important that it's a grind. I mean, but the teacher's got to like it, you right. know, and right, changing right, right. and stuff like that. And right. you get to, and the other part is you can do a podcast every day. It's a new person. Right. It's a new creation. Right. Same thing with kids. Right. You give those teachers that freedom to license right. to do. Public schools do a really fantastic job. And people blame them a lot, but the problems that we've created today are sort of outreaching the public school to keep up with. So they're not ca catching up, and it's not their fault. It's these problems, but I do believe the public schools will catch up and things. But the idea to I compete with them for is recruiting teachers, I give them creative licensing, like okay. an artist. That's okay. the big difference. Right, right, I right. can't pay the right. same, right. but people think our price tag's high, but it's not when you look at how many faculty members we have, and each child gets a one-to-one, two-on-one um, tutorial, which is reading, breaking down the English language, right. that reading then skill sets go back to content teachers. So those teachers are talking to the other teachers to see where they're at. Right. So I can stretch George in a class. Right. The teacher says, he's ready to read this level. Okay, stretching. Wow. So we're always stretching and constant feedback on a kid. Um, so, if, 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 One last question. If okay. someone hears you today and says, I would love to start 
a school like this? <laughs> I get that question a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, you're like, don't do it. Yes, uh, I'm one of very few <laughs> like, guys. <what> <laughs> uh, I came back to town and I was retired, sort of, and stuff. And Jack Frazier was nice to me, and we took one of his old buildings. We started the ACC Academic Coaching Center, and one thing led to another. Ashley Hibbets, you know, we're doing their kids. Why don't you start a school? Oh, great! I need that like a hole in my head, and um, I started a school. And it's like a puppy in the window. It grew into a Great Dane. And right. now to maintain it. But there's a lot of things you got to go through. Most schools are started by parents, mm-hmm. not by an by a individual head that says, hey, I think I can build a school. And so basically, we're like Moneyball. We're the Oakland A's. Camperdown had like a $5 million budget. Christchurch had a $17 million budget. We had 175000 when we started. Wow. You had, what, four kids, right? Four ki- oh, yeah. The, the, the Mormon family across the street had more students, fa- <laughs> children than we did. We always told them to play at recess or walk yeah. across their yard. Go in the yard. Make it look yeah, like so yeah, yeah. bigger. But it was, you grow in a certain way, but it's a lot of fun. Now I sort of regret some things because the teachers then, we, we said, when we had nothing to lose, it was so much fun. Now we're established. We're, we've got roots in the town. We're about a million six budget. And it's turning into what I don't want to turn into, that fun. We had nothing to lose. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And we always said these days we'll cherish. But at the time you think it's the hell you're going through. But it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, and that's a, that's uh, a good lesson for, fun. Off, for entrepreneurs yeah. or building yeah. any business, yeah. right? Because there's that time that happens. Yeah. There's you've got nothing to lose. You know, yeah. you, you but see. then once you got something to lose, you start changing. Right. You know, so, uh, uh, you know, that was fun. I, I, the biggest thing I've ever done in my life was to close a school, and that was an international boarding school. Really? My job was sent to close it. They're about $4 million in debt, corruption, and I had to do some work. That it was like the, I was the captain of the Titanic, mm. but we had a job to do, hired to do, and find out the corruptions. And um, you know, the school closed, and I was probably the most hated guy in Vermont that year. It was five years I was there to try to try to do certain things. But, uh, you know, all the other schools in New England came to my rescue. We placed kids. Leroy Merritt offered us a million dollars to keep it open. We said no, because it wouldn't sustain itself. He was looking out for his grandchild, mm. rightly so. But no, Leroy, we're not going to do it. I think I'm the only Erskine, I remember when I did fundraising for Erskine. Yeah. You gave a million dollars back? Yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing in Greenville, when we were raising money for Camperdown, we always said, don't be a glutton. Sometimes you, once you get a certain point, you don't need that. You want to share to the community. It's just like, why does Princeton need, with a $20 billion uh, endowment, someone gives them $300 million? Right. Well, it doesn't make sense. Right. But it's prestige and that, that elitist type thing. And so I was, it was, I think it was from Gladwell, Princeton. He's, he's a big guy, I listen to a lot on education. But so they, they, that year, they spin off $2.1 million, billion off that interest on that. They spend maybe $400 million on a new building. They still put $700 million back into the endowment. Mm. You know, it's a money machine. It's a cash right. cow. Right. I mean, so people have to look at that. I mean, we know we're a blue-collared school. We're trying to get an endowment. We'd like it to be free for all kids. My goal, if anyone listened to this, I'd like to have somebody give me a Willy Wonka ticket. For kids who are orphans or are an orphanage or a foster child, give them a ticket and bankroll him. What would that Raise look like? Money. You know, people getting together and saying, let's talk to the people that know some kids that might have some issues. They have no parents. Because what happens to them when they're 18? So one kid. You're, you're His education is bankrolled. So how many years? Um, 
I, you know, for us, it'd be eight years, then high school, and then okay. college, okay. wherever they choose to go, whatever. But say he has a learning style difference mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. They don't get help. So uh, that's one of my big walk things. Need, I mean, how, how, how big is that need? Is it one, well, I, worked, two, I did an idea with this with Andre Agassi. So mm -hmm. when he did his school, um, it, we were raising money for kids grade by grade. But if you completed a school, he'd pay for your college. Mm. And you got to be, you know, certain standards, good student, don't mm -hmm. get in trouble, that type of stuff. Mm. And um, uh, he, he, he was able to do it. Uh, mm. Star power. Andre was right. very, um, very community minded. Um, we'd like to do that here in town. Um, there's a great podcast called Food Fight. And it's about Vassar College in Bowdoin. And where you put mm -hmm. your money at, and, the, and wiggle rooms. We have no wiggle, wiggle rooms. There's another school. I'm Ohio State. I call them Michigan. That's my old school. Right, right, and right. that's very close to me. They're good. In order to have a rivalry, you got to have respect. I respect them very much. But their branding is a little different than our branding and what we do. And uh, we're Vassar. They're Bowdoin. Uh, mm -hmm. They have chefs that cook. Cook. Uh, food's important. But, right. but we have just crummy lunch food. They have that. But we'd rather put our money somewhere else in the school. Right. And we make no apologies for that. We, we'd rather focus more on the education side. Right. Um, but every school's different in their values. And uh, But we're like Vassar in Food Fight. Okay. It's a great podcast by yeah, Madeline yeah, Godwell. Yeah, yeah. And it shows you the money, the, how it works. And so if you're taking basically 90% of your student body are paying cash people, mm -hmm. and 10% of that money that comes in, in your endowment, you can pay for kids who don't have privileges to go. Right. But what if you take your endowment and you spend for 40% of your student body to be kids that can't pay mm -hmm. on Pell Grants at university. Mm -hmm. Now that's different for Wiggle Room. You got to compete for those wealthy kids, right. but they pay full tuition. But, you know, how do you go when the Vassar's got, you know, lobster for dinner, lobster for this. So now for Vassar, if they lose some of those rich kids, recruiting wise, they're, they're in trouble. Right. So think of that. Right, so we're more like Vassar. Okay. We're going to put our money here. We're going to do this. But we wanted to try to all kids there. We run a lot like Mayberry. You know, we'll work with people. We'll do things. You know, mm. I've had parents that, you know, owe me money from three years ago, and they finally pay up. Oh, wow. You know? So we work with people. We don't charge interest. I mean, I think school should be free for all kids. I mean, I'm lucky and uh, blessed. But, um, right. uh, you know, easy come, easy go. Right. Oh, yeah. So. Mm. In closing, if if you had some kid who who's eighteen yeah. listening to you here and says, "Hey, I've, I've you know, I, I want to start a business. Yeah. I want to do something. I want to 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 make a change." Yeah. What, 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 what advice? If would he's you eighteen, have? I'd want to know everything you've done up to this point, and don't be afraid to fail. Okay. Do not be afraid. You know, just okay. let the dice roll, but think it through. Mm -hmm. Analyze your strengths, mm -hmm. where your weaknesses, and find people that can help you in your weaknesses. And then you create a team around you. And don't be afraid to fail. I mean, like, fail like with a product. Right. A lot of times you guys have good products, but they, they don't know how to market it. Right. So don't be afraid that someone can help you with your idea. Mm. And you got to trust people, and you need to uh, figure out how to always improve your product. Mm. How to change it as the times change. If right. you don't, of course. You, you, know, you, won't, you won't last. I mean, just like in education, we have to adapt right. to different things and stuff like that. So, Fantastic. Uh, that's I've great. learned a lot. Well, thank you so much, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sir.